Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Uncommon Sense. So I have some fascinating news that you guys will find fascinating. I found out, and I thought it was fascinating, that my podcast is in top 5% of podcasts, which is really exciting. I This is all due to you guys listening and caring about what I have to say about current events, about Christianity, and about all of the mayhem that is happening in our country and elsewhere in the world, predominantly in our country. But I do want to start talking about things happening in other countries, too, and how they relate to the U.S. more, because I found out the other day, too, that a lot of countries are starting to listen to this podcast, and I think that that's really cool. We have France, we have a few people in Ukraine, which was a little bit shocking because I have uh, I have had not a lot of great things to say about y'all's leader, but um, you know, I love all people, and whenever I'm coming after any sort of, when I'm saying, oh, China did this, China did that, Ukraine did this, Ukraine did that, I am hardly ever talking about the people of a specific country. I am always, generally always, talking about about the people at the top. I'm generally talking about the leaders of these countries and what I'm noticing and how they're taking advantage of their people and what they're doing wrong. I I really love that I'm having a lot more people listen to this podcast and top 5%, you guys. Thank you. That's that's really exciting. So now that I have tooted my own horn that really you guys have tooted for me, thank you for tooting that, um, I am going to be talking about Ron DeSantis's announcement for his candidacy for president of the United States on this episode. He did this in such a strange way. We haven't had a president announce his candidacy for the presidency just over like an audio sort of thing since we really were only listening to radio, like since before TV. So I thought it was very interesting that he decided to announce his candidacy for the presidency on a Twitter spaces with Elon Musk, which by the way, I thought it was fascinating that Elon Musk was so okay with letting everybody know, you know, when it's his right to let everybody know, you know, he is 100% backing DeSantis, it seems. And I saw some funny tweets, people saying, oh, well, I guess Twitter is just like the new like DeSantis propaganda machine. And you're going to need to be careful about that. Because even somebody like Elon, who I think a lot of people on the right are just like, well, he's just a wonderful guy. Look at him. He is always talking about how much he loves humanity and how much he cares about free speech and how much he loves America. But I think it's important to, I think two things can be true at the same time. A lot of things can be true at the same time. And I think that Elon, I think that Elon genuinely does think, okay, I think he genuinely does think that he, you know, is doing the right thing and that buying Twitter was like, you know, his calling by God to protect free speech. Maybe he really feels all of these things and that, you know, Neuralink is somehow actually good for the world. Um, I don't know and I don't want to sound too Karen on this episode. I sound Karen on a lot of episodes, so I just don't want to sound too Karen on this episode. Um, you know, some people will say, well, maybe that's the mark of the beast. I don't want to say it's not. I don't want to say it is. I don't want to say anything. I just want to say that that is a really creepy thing that now the FDA has approved um, clinical trials on humans. So I'm a little bit worried about the Neuralink thing. Um, I think that there's a lot of things that Elon Musk does that I, th- I find kind of concerning. I don't know why, you know, I Obviously, like EVs, electrical vehicles are his thing. He makes those Tesla. Um, But the government pushes those so much, specifically progressives and leftists, because they want to push us into a society where they can turn off anything that you need at any time you're disobeying them in thought, in action, in any way. Um, So I I don't like the electric vehicle thing. I don't like the Neuralink thing. I don't know why he can't get a lot of his spaceships off the ground, Um, especially if we landed in the moon in the 60s. Like, did that really happen? I don't know. I have a lot of questions about a lot of things, as you guys know. Um, But I don't want to do a tremendously long intro on this episode. You guys know that I'm capable of doing that. Uh, I went back and I I listened back. There was one that had like a 20 minute intro. So I really got to chill out with that. Um, But on this episode, we are going to be talking about Ron DeSantis announcing his candidacy for the presidency. What I made of all of that because I listened into this Twitter space.
piece and it was just very interesting. I want to also compare and contrast DeSantis's announcement um, to Trump's CNN town hall and how he performed on that. Um, and I really want to talk more about my thoughts on Elon Musk, you know, just avidly supporting DeSantis on Twitter. Um, I just, I, this is just an interesting thing that is happening. This is a new thing for a presidential candidate to announce their candidacy on a Twitter spaces and audio only platform. Um, we're living in new times where, you know, and there were just thousands upon thousands, hundreds of thousands of people listening into this Twitter space. And a lot of cable news are not even able to attain that level of viewership. So I think that we're moving in a direction where candidates are going to be utilizing social media more and more. Um, I think it's a smart move to try to get uh, the younger audience in particular. I think we're going to need to do that. Um, again, I'm always saying we, like I'm I'm a Republican on the right all the time, but I am an independent and I want you guys to remember that because I will go after all sides. I have a lot to say about this Seth Dillon thing, by the way, with the Babylon Bee, but that's going to be another topic for another episode. Um, so I will go after all sides. I will also uplift either side if I see either side doing, you know, the right thing. That hardly ever is going to be the left. I don't do that a lot for the left because I don't see them uplifting the biblical and godly things uh, hardly ever. So they pretend to, but you can tell they haven't read their Bible. They have a very superficial grasp of all of that. And if you have read your Bible and if you do know God, then it's very easy to spot it all. So I, I will go after both sides. I will uplift either side if I see them doing the right thing. Um, but I do think that there's something to be said for how we're moving in this direction of social media being more utilized in elections. And I think if the right can do it smartly and humorously, then it's going to be a really effective tool in this upcoming election, which, by the way, is the determination as to whether or not America actually falls. As to whether or not, we said that about 2020, you guys see how quickly everything has fallen under Biden's quote-unquote leadership. Um, you know, who's leading Biden? We still don't know. We still don't know because he's always saying they said I couldn't say that. They said I couldn't do that. Who? Who? Whew, I am turning into an owl. Um, but I do think that the right uh, can benefit from using social media and reaching and targeting the youth more. Trump posted a very, very funny video <laughs> right after uh, Ron DeSantis' announcement, which I thought was really funny. We're going to play that on this episode, too. But we're not going to go over everything in the intro. So let's do our little musicy music and and get into this. <laughs> Before we get into everything, I just want to remind you guys about Noble Gold. We know that the economy is trash. We know that inflation is out of control. We know that money doesn't really matter anymore since we went off of the gold standard. So my argument is this. Why not invest in gold and silver and other precious metals while everybody else is investing in Bitcoin and NFTs, which are scams? No offense to anybody who's into that. No offense. But at the end of the day, if everything goes away, what will hold value is is gold and silver and other precious metals. So you want to invest in that. And Noble Gold will help you do exactly that. So with Noble Gold, you can figure out what is a gold and silver IRA, why a gold and silver IRA is right for you, how to own gold and silver, benefits of diversifying with gold and silver, how to roll over your 401k to a gold and silver IRA, types of retirement accounts that are eligible for IRA rollover, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of good information that they have. And I think a lot of people don't really know, you know, how to invest in gold and silver. And so this is a great thing for all of you guys out there to, to check out. So again, I don't think that money has mattered since we went off of the gold standard. Because why? Because it doesn't. Money doesn't matter. Since we went off the gold standard, what is backing it? What is it other than paper? What is it? Tell someone, tell me, I don't think it's anything important. Um, so yeah, gold and silver, it's all biblical. If you look in the Bible, this is how they paid for things. Silver, 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 and gold. 
Bolt, which is a Christmas song. So maybe that will help you guys remember that, you know, that this is an important thing to do. Okay, so we're going to, without further ado, get into this Ron DeSantis, or as Trump calls him, Ron DeSanctimonious. I think that that is the, honestly, I think that Trump could do better with the nickname for Ron DeSantis because DeSanctimonious, people's issue with uh, Ron is not that he is sanctimonious. Our issue with Ron is that he is apparently very establishment. Um, It's looking like he has a lot of donors that we aren't super fanatic about. And it seems as though, especially, um, and I wanted to wait a little bit to even put this episode out to everybody because I wanted to see people's reactions. I wanted to see, you know, other things that Ron was going to come out and say and do. And he did a little video talking about how he wants to repeal the First Step Act, which is a terrible idea and sounds almost as racist to me as, you know, Joe Biden in the 90s. Um, I don't like that. And it seems like he's just trying to, you know, keep the cheap labor for the federal government. Uh, Federal government prisons are not something that you're going to want to support. Why do we have to have so many people in prison? And Trump enacted that. And now Ron wants to de-enact that. He wants to repeal that. And it's a terrible idea. He also looked very, very just exhausted, like totally spent in that video that he did talking about that. So I guess already Ron is, you know, not doing too hot with the campaign. It's just overwhelming for him, I suppose. But we're not going to be talking about that video. Um, We're going to be talking about Ron DeSantis announcing his candidacy for the presidency. And what do I think of that? Um, Well, first, I just want to say that it is very new. It is very, very new for a presidential candidate to announce their candidacy on a Twitter spaces. We really haven't seen anything like that since radio was all we had to talk to each other on um, in terms of the media. And so it was a very new thing. And I know that a lot of people were really excited, particularly Elon Musk, for obvious reasons that, you know, we're getting we're moving over into social media land where, you know, we're not going on cable news to to make announcements anymore. We're going we're going to the Internet, Uh, you know, and I know that Elon Musk was excited about it. I know that a lot of the people who are really excited to be using Twitter now that Elon Musk has positioned, I won't say that it's like a free speech platform. A lot of people are like, free speech, free speech. Have y'all looked at the engagement on Twitter recently? Like all of the, you know, brand name conservatives used to be getting so much engagement and they're getting like 10 likes now. I mean, how is this not a thing that people are talking more about? Like Sebastian Gorka, he's one of our top guys. He's literally getting like, you know, maybe 50 likes on a good day now. It's like really weird because you know that these are prominent people, but they're not getting very much engagement. And I don't think I'm even visible on Twitter anymore. Like, I don't think my stuff is being seen. It's very interesting because I will post the same thing and I've been doing tests because I'll post the same thing on my feed and then I will go post the comment, but it's the same thing that I said in my feed and I will post the exact like copy paste, copy paste this into a comment under somebody else's thing. And then it's getting, you know, hundreds, thousands of impressions and likes. And then on my page, it's getting like nothing. So I look like a loser on my page right now, which is fine. I know that I'm shadow banned. I know that a lot of people are shadow banned. So my point is that a lot of people are still even with all of the shadow banning, even with all of the suppression, uh, you know, because Elon Musk talks a lot about being a very caring and compassionate person who cares about humanity um, so much. Like he just, you know, he's going to save the world or something. I, I don't know why. I think that Elon Musk has a little bit of a, like a superiority complex. And I think he has this thing. I, I, I think he is like a covert narcissist. Like I genuinely think that um, because I don't know why he would take it upon himself to think that it's his responsibility to save humanity. We already, we already have a savior over there, Elon. Like we already have one. His name is Jesus Christ and he'll be back probably very soon. So we don't really need you to be out here claiming to want to save humanity with Neuralink and EVs. Like we don't really need that. Um, But anyway, there's a lot of people on Twitter who are very pro, 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 pro. 
Elon Musk. And they have frankly very much idolized the man um, to the point where they are blind to the fact that there is a suppression still happening, that there is censorship still happening, that there are still shadow bans on a lot of these prominent accounts that used to get tons and tons of engagement, including my own, to be honest with you guys. Like, I'm very upset that I'm not um, getting the reach that I used to get. And I know that probably a lot of you guys feel the same way. It's almost like we're being gaslit because Elon's always talking about, well, I'm just so proud to, you know, free speech is, is this priceless and it doesn't matter how much I spent. It wasn't even him that bought Twitter. It wasn't him that bought Twitter by himself. He had a bunch of investors and, you know, he bought it in his name, but it, it's all these investors. It's not just Elon Musk. So I don't like how he claims that he saved free speech. You know, it just seems like a big PR thing to me for him. Honestly, with you, like, I'm just being honest. Like, I feel like Elon Musk, and I don't want to talk too much about this, but it's important because he is, um, you know, he's promoting Ron DeSantis, obviously. He's very much promoting Ron DeSantis. And after DeSantis announced, Elon Musk put out a tweet, you know, very quickly saying, all presidential candidates are welcome to come on Twitter spaces if you want to. Um, so he's trying, Elon is the type of person who wants to make it seem like he is a very, like, caring and compassionate person. And a lot of people, you know, in the elite are like that. Nobody wants to be seen as a terrible person. But I just think that it's fascinating that the guy who wants to put Neuralink in everybody's brains is, you know, claiming to be so pro-humanity. That is going to be the type of sci-fi horror film that none of you are ready for. None of you. And by that point, I will have been, you know, living on a mountain with a bunch of livestock for years and I, I won't even be, you know, paying attention to y'all being zombied out with Neuralink. Um, but I put out a tweet basically saying that, you know, because Elon Musk seems very focused on PR and how he appears to everybody, um, I said free speech doesn't mean, uh, what did I say? What did I say? I said the freedom of speech doesn't mean the freedom of reach. Let me just find the tweet. You know what? I got to find the tweet because I don't remember what I said. Sometimes I say things so quickly on the internet that I don't even remember what I said. So let me go find this tweet. Okay, so here it is. Freedom of speech without freedom of reach is just continued censorship slash suppression with better PR. And that is just how I feel. That is just how I feel about Elon with the whole Twitter thing. Even with that, though, I do know that, you know, this Twitter space specifically with Ron DeSantis did reach a lot of people. There were hundreds of thousands of people listening into this. Um, it did do a lot better than a lot of the cable news stations are doing these days, which are really, really struggling. And that's why they're firing a lot of people, um, I think, at CNN and Fox News and some of the other major ones, which, you know, none of them are very major anymore because people are just turning these things off. Like people aren't watching TV anymore. They don't want to be manipulated. They don't want to be gaslit. Um, but I kind of just feel like that's a little bit what Elon is even doing on Twitter. Everybody has an agenda. Everybody is in indoctrinated to a certain extent. Uh, even me, I was homeschooled. Uh, this is, you know, probably a big part of why I feel so strongly about my faith and about the country. I was raised to be this way. So we all have a certain level of an indoctrination inside of us and we are all pushing an agenda, whether we like it or not. I clearly am pushing an agenda that I hope is, you know, and I think it is, and I'm pretty sure it is the right one because I am pushing what I believe is God's agenda because I am trying to be as biblical as possible and get out the messages that I think are important for you guys to hear and supporting the things that I think are biblical. Um, and it's not even about me thinking it because I know that it's true because you can read your Bible and see like the policies that I support are policies that God would support. And they don't always align with one political party, but they generally lean right. And that's all I'm going to say. God is so much further above political ideology. So I never want to say God is a Republican or God is a conservative, but God is not a progressive leftist, LGBTQ, ABCDFG. Like there was a pastor that I heard saying, God is gay. God is a lesbian. And I'm like, stop tainting this. Stop tainting the word. Stop tainting God. Stop doing that. It makes me very mad. Um, 
But, you know, my point is I do go on little rabbit trails sometimes and I hope y'all are following what I'm trying to say. But back to this Twitter space, my point is that even with all of the suppression that Elon Musk is, you know, aware of it or not, um, if he's aware of it, then it is a part of an agenda that he has. If he's not aware of it and it's somehow because he did cut, you know, a lot of his employees at, at Twitter, but that there were some that stayed. And so maybe they are still targeting conservatives in some way. Um, I don't know what's going on. But even with the suppression and censorship, this Twitter space has had hundreds of thousands of people listening in. A lot of people cared to see, you know, how this was going to go. Um, and it didn't go very well. It didn't go very well at all. There was trouble getting things launched for Ron's campaign. His commercial was very lackluster. Um, I think that I should play that for you guys. I, I just the whole thing was really not that impressive. And I wasn't really, I, I was expecting more from Ron, but it was just so lackluster. I, that's the only word I can think of. It was lackluster. It was low energy. On this Twitter spaces, I just remember thinking Jeb Bush had more energy than this. Like Jeb Bush had more of a personality than this. It was so dry. It sounded like he was reading an op-ed. It really did. Um, it sounded like he had a script and was just reading it, which would make a lot of sense to me, honestly. Like, why did he choose to go on this audio-only platform to announce his candidacy for the presidency? I mean, people want to see you. People want to see and make sure that you don't have a script that you're reading or like a teleprompter reminding you what to say. Um, you know, like people wanted, it's, you're running for the president, sir. So even though, yeah, okay, maybe it's a smart idea to not go on cable television because the viewers, you know, are down. You, you're going to get more, you're going to get more viewers because everybody knows you're fixing to announce that you're running for the presidency. And I just think that if you're going to run for the most important office in the world, I don't think you should do audio only uh, platform uh, you know, and then bring your script with you, which he, it was just so clear to me that he was reading a script. The other thing about this, and then I'm going to play, you know, his ads so you guys can hear that, but it's just, you know, he went on this Twitter spaces and he was surrounded by fanboys. Like he was surrounded by people who already supported him and they made it sound like it was going to be this discussion where people could come up and ask Ron questions and sort of like a Twitter space town hall sort of mimicking, I guess, a little bit. It made it sound like they were going to be mimicking kind of the CNN town hall, but it was going to be on a Twitter space and, and people were going to be able to ask questions. That wasn't the case. There were a very, very select few people who were allowed to be speakers on this uh, thing. People like Christopher Rufo who have, I love Christopher Rufo, but they have, you know, lots and lots of followers. They already agree for the most part with, with Ron DeSantis. And there was a very weird moment because Thomas Massey was also uh, one of the speakers who was allowed to ask a question and y'all know that I love Thomas Massey. I think he's a great person. Um, there are some things that we disagree on, clearly. Um, but it was just really weird because Ron DeSantis is pretty much doxed Thomas Massey on this Twitter space because Thomas Massey was talking about something and then Ron DeSantis was like, and by the way, here's his license plate number. And I was like, why would you, why are you saying that? And then some people told me that it was a, like a well-known joke and people already know, you know, Thomas Massey license plate number but I just think it was it showed to me a lack of ability to think quick on your feet and understand hey there's hundreds of thousands of people listening in on this Twitter spaces right now probably not all of them are friends like probably not all of them and so I don't know I just don't think dox your friends don't dox your friends maybe I don't know I don't know don't do that um but yeah, so to me, it just really felt like Ron chose to put him in a, in a situation, put himself in a situation where he was able to read a script, not have to look at anybody in the face and and be surrounded by predominantly people that uh, agreed with him and the people that were allowed to ask him questions already agreed with him. So it seemed like he it just seemed like such a cowardice way to announce that you're running for president. You're not being seen. You have your friends ask you questions and you're pretending like it's a dialogue with the, the voters, but it's not really because, you know, we're not really asking them because you didn't let us. Um, so it just seemed, it seemed very, 
it seemed very manufactured to be a certain way and not the way that they advertised that it was going to be. I, I was, it was giving a false advertisement. It was very much giving that, um, the Twitter spaces kept, uh, crashing. And I remember thinking like, why didn't y'all stress test this before you get on to have someone announce that they're running for president? Um, it was, it was really, honestly, it was really such a mess. Um, but I do want to play Ron's commercial for you guys. And right after that, I want to play uh, Trump's commercial because I want to compare and contrast the commercials. And then after that, I want to talk a little bit about Trump's response, Trump's children's response to this announcement, and then finish up with some of my final thoughts. But first up, let's listen to Ron DeSantis's uh, run for presidency ad. Our border is a disaster. Crime infests our cities. The federal government makes it harder for families to make ends meet, and the president flounders. But decline is a choice. Success is attainable, and freedom is worth fighting for. Writing the ship requires restoring sanity to our society, normalcy to our communities, and integrity to our institutions. Truth must be our foundation. And common sense can no longer be an uncommon virtue. In Florida, we proved that it can be done. We chose facts over fear, education over indoctrination, law and order over rioting and disorder. We held the line when freedom hung in the balance. We showed that we can and must revitalize America. We need the courage to lead and the strength to win. I'm Ron DeSantis. And I'm running for president to lead our great American comeback. Right. Um, okay, so you have a little bit of a badass beat going on a little bit, but the ad itself was very underwhelming. It was very underwhelming to me. It was such a typical politician ad at the beginning. He, you know, was just behind this curtain and then he came out from behind the curtain and he got himself ready and he, you know, pulled, tucked on his suit and got and then he was like, I'm the big guy and I'm and then he came out of the curtain. Um, you know, Ron has this really weird and Reflection about his voice, and it's not giving strong leader to me. It's just not. Um, by the way, when I say I'm, it's not giving. I'm trying to use some of the kids' lingo. My podcast reaches all types of people of all types of ages, but I think it's really important to get the kids on board with everything. So that's why I use some of the Gen Z lingo. I'm like, if y'all are listening, I hope you understand this. So it was giving politician, and it was it was such a typical establishment uh, politician ad. Ron DeSantis is a politician. He is a politician. He doesn't have all of these things that he's built in his life like Trump has. Um, you know, DeSantis wouldn't even be governor if it weren't for Donald Trump. Donald Trump's endorsement is what propelled Ron DeSantis into being governor of Florida in the first place. And I think from a loyalty uh, standpoint that Ron DeSantis is a terrible friend. He is just a terrible, terrible friend. And I know that politicians are slimy and they're backstabby and they're the worst and there is hardly any loyalty to them. They are all smiles and all lies. Um, but even still, if, how do you go against the guy who literally got you to where you are? I think that from a loyalty perspective, it is just such, um, it tells me a lot about Ron's character. It's also ex an extremely selfish time for him to be running for president because he is splitting the Republican Party. He is causing so much division. Um, so it's not even just disloyalty to Trump, it is really disloyalty to everybody who knows that we are in such a dire spot in our country right now that it's like, if we really don't get Trump in office again, then it's like really, really over for us. Like really, really. Um, so it was not only disloyal to Trump, it was also disloyal to America. So I, I have a lot of problems with Ron DeSantis and you guys know that I, I pretty much had gotten off of the Trump train there for a little bit. I was really, I was really team DeSantis. I looked at what he was doing in Florida. 
Florida. I liked what I was seeing. I liked all of the things he was doing, but it is becoming so much more apparent to me that Ron DeSantis is establishment. He has some really shady donors. He is a backstabbing friend. Not, not a fan of that. Loyalty is very, very important. So I, I, I'm really, really bummed out that he went behind Trump's back and that he went again behind all of our backs. Really? I mean, this is a being such a divisive thing and I hate having to go after Ron so strongly as I have been doing. And a lot of you have been getting mad at me for doing that. Um, but I, I only see, and I'm looking at the stats. Trump is polling at 60%. Ron DeSantis is polling at 13%. I mean, you guys tell me, who do you think is going to win? Who do you think is going to win? I mean, it doesn't really matter because Trump is ultimately going to win the primaries anyway, but it's still so shady. And, and aside from all of that, it just doesn't make any political sense. Why didn't Ron wait to see if he was going to be picked by Trump? And there was a high likelihood actually of that happening. It would have, it was a very high likelihood that Trump was going to select Ron DeSantis to be his vice president. So I don't understand why Ron got so impatient and selfish and greedy. Um, cause I really think that Trump would have picked him possibly as his VP. So I think that it would have been a stronger thing for the country and a smarter political move for Ron to just see if he was going to be selected to be Trump's VP. You know, Don Ron 24 was, is something that I've been saying. And I, I wish that that could be the case, but not anymore. Ron got very impatient. Um, you know, but he could have been VP with Trump. Trump would have won. And then we could have run Ron for two terms after that. We could have had three terms in the presidency, but no, Ron got so impatient. He was just rearing to go. Um, he is, he's overconfident to be honest with everybody. He's very, um, he's very overconfident. I think he thinks that he has more support than he has. And the polls show that. So I, I think that he got impatient. He could have been president for two terms. If he had waited four years, he just didn't, he just didn't think he had the time, even though he's very, very young and has plenty of time. Um, now, unfortunately, it looks like he is going to definitively lose the Republican primaries. Then he's going to term out as the governor of Florida. And then what is he going to do? Because he has made enemies um, everywhere. So I don't know what he's going to do after that. I don't know what his plan is. I don't think anybody's going to support him moving forward. I mean, he is really a, a lot of his support were the MAGA people. The MAGA people are not going to support him anymore. He he's like ruining himself politically. But I think that he thinks that um because it is so clear that he's very establishment and has all of these shady donors. I think he thinks that the shady people are going to make sure that he's okay. And I think that he thinks that the shady people are going to protect him. Um, and the shady people, you know, I've been saying DC, nobody has anything bad to say about Ron DeSantis. And that stresses me out because if you are coming into Washington DC without being hated, uh, then you're not going to do anything good here. So I, I think that the establishment, loves Ron and that's why nobody talks bad about him. I think he has some shady business going on. I think he, like Elon, you know, has a decent amount of good PR and he, they are able, both of them, and that, it makes sense to me why they are supporting each other. Um, you know, they they try to appear very caring, very compassionate, very much what people want them to be. And then I think that they capitalize on that. So I am just saying that these are my genuine thoughts and I think that Trump is very, very bummed out that because I think he really considered Ron to be a good friend. And I think that Trump really was going to choose Ron to be his running mate. And so I think that Trump is in a position where he's just feeling kind of sad because he obviously made a bad decision with Mike Pence. Um, there at the end, Mike Pence betrayed him. And I don't know if y'all remember this, but in Congress, someone handed him some like silver coins right after like he, he just let you know, all of that happened. Um, so it almost was giving, you know, <laughs> Judas, like selling Jesus. Um, so I don't know. I think that Trump is, he's just, he seems very bummed out when he's talking about how Ron betrayed him. And, you know, Trump is not a politician. Even still, he doesn't consider himself a politician, even though he's been president of the United States of America. I mean, I think some people think that Trump's, you know, 
you know, naive and gullible and like hardy, har, har. Like you think people are going to be, you know, loyal to you in politics. Um, But I think he just, he he has the heart to be like, yeah, like I I helped you. I thought we were buds. Um, And that is no longer the case. So you heard Ron's ad. So now I want to play a Trump ad so that you can hear, um, I guess, the contrast between these ads because Trump's ads, they're not all spectacular, but this one was really good. I thought um, at pinpointing how Ron is really in a lot of ways trying to mimic Trump and uh, be Trump. And so I think this is a good ad for them to have put out. And I want to play that for you guys right now. The Washington established politicians like to talk about how they can be just like Donald Trump. The truth? There's only one Donald Trump. Only one who gave us the largest tax cuts in history, who gave vets the health care they deserve, and stood up to China and protected your job. Only one who kept us out of endless wars while destroying our terrorist enemies. Only one who fundamentally changed the Supreme Court, was called the most pro-life president in history, and relentlessly protected our Second Amendment rights and our borders. Why would we ever settle for Trump imposters? Make America great again. When there's only one, starting day one, who can make America great again. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. So that's more of a voice that I would say is a presidential voice. I mean, that was a, a better voice. I think that Trump sounds very strong. He sounds very badass. He sounds very ready. He sounds very coherent. He sounds, you know, Ron sounds effeminate to me. And I don't want to accuse him of being gay because he is married to a woman. Um, marriage to a man as a man is not marriage by the way it is a Christian term. And you can't, uh, don't taint it, don't disrespect it, and don't try to redefine it if you don't. Don't mind. Uh, just get your own word. I have suggested gay ridge. I have suggested that, and nobody wants to take me up on it. But it would be a perfect compromise. Uh, just call it gay ridge. Just call it gay ridge. So, anyways, he's married. Ron is married to a woman, but he sounds gay, and I don't want it to sound like, oh, I am just you know hugely homosexual. That's not the case. It's a sin. I don't like homosexuality because it is a sin. But heterosexual sex before marriage is also a sin. So it's, there's a lot of sins, but I don't want it to sound like I'm coming after homosexuals by saying this. He genuinely sounds like he is effeminate. Like he is gay. Like he, there's some sort of inflection. Um, and I know that everybody's going to think you're really going on and on about the voices, but it's kind of important for your president to have a strong voice and to represent us strongly and to not sound frankly like like a Disney cartoon character. And that is what Ron DeSantis sounds like to me. Again, I think that Ron DeSantis could have had a very bright political future if he had just given himself some more time. He needed more time to really hone in on things. He hasn't. He just, he doesn't know what he's walking into. He doesn't know what he's stepping into. He has no idea. Um, he's not ready for the big leagues of politics. He is a very good governor of Florida because he is doing exactly what, you know, the good people of Florida want him to do. I won't say that he hasn't done a lot of good for Florida, but he is not ready for the big leagues of politics. He is not ready for Washington, D.C. They will eat him up, swallow him up here, and that is just the way that it is. He's not going to last. He is too... Um, he's too establishment. He seems like he would go with the flow. It seems like he wouldn't do a lot of pushback. I know he's done a lot of pushback in Florida. Okay. But he's the governor of Florida. So what is he really having to push back against? Um, he also on those Twitter spaces was talking about how, uh, he was brave enough to go up against Disney. And, uh, you know, to me, that's kind of laughable because Disney is, you know, it's Disney. It's like, imagine going up against these fluffy character people walking around, uh, you know, Disney, um, you know, okay. So you went against Donald duck, but that doesn't mean that you can go up against Donald Trump. You're going to lose. And Trump has gone up against China. He has gone up against all of our enemies. He has killed a terrorist, Soleimani, whatever his name was. And all of the people rejoiced because they were like, thank God you got rid of him. Um, 
I do not see, I mean, just because you're able to semi handle Disney does not mean that you're ready to represent America on the world stage. And I do not see Ron going against the CCP uh, in the same way that Trump can. I do not see Ron being respected around the globe as the leader of the free world. And, um, you know, especially after Joe Biden, who is so tremendously weak um, and so tremendously out of it, you know, we just, we really need, we really need like another Winston Churchill-esque Trump back in the White House right now. We really, really do. Nobody respects us. That's why we have these Chinese spy balloons come in through Montana. That is why, because that is, again, I don't know if you guys have heard me say this before, but these are all things that everybody should know um you know our nuclear weapons a lot of them are in montana they're also in north dakota and they're also in wyoming everybody should know that so if you have these chinese spy balloons you know spying on montana and our other western states where all of our nuclear weapons are i wonder what they're up to i wonder what they're doing i wonder what they want it's probably that they want to see how prepared we are for nuclear war so that they can plot and strategize how to take us out i mean that's my guess so we really need to have a very strong uh, leader in the White House right now. We really need to have Trump in the White House right now. I really liked Trump's ad. I think it's very, um, it's just so disgusting how disloyal Ron was. I mean, even, I love how Trump used in that um, ad where Ron was like, make America great again. And in that part, he was like pointing to the make America great again sign um, to his son. And uh, so Ron is trying to be the new Trump. He's trying to be badass in his uh, commercial, which, by the way, when I was going to play that, it, I found I realized that he took it off of Twitter. Ron DeSantis took his own presidential ad off of Twitter. Maybe I missed it somehow, but I went. I was like scrolling back and forth. I was like, "Huh, where is it?" Um, so I actually had to like Google that in order to find it. So I wonder if Ron took his own presidential ad down because it was that embarrassing. That would be weird. Um, but you know, I would understand. It was pretty. It was pretty embarrassing. Um, I don't like having to come after Ron this hard. I know there are a lot of people that listen to my podcast who really like Ron. They think that Trump is kind of toxic. They think that Trump has stirred up a lot of drama. Um, Sometimes you have to stir up drama to get to the truth. And sometimes you have to stir up drama to have there be enough of an outrage for there to be change. And sometimes you have to turn over tables in order for people to know that they are doing the wrong thing. That is what Jesus Christ did. And I am tired of everybody acting like uh, Jesus was a doormat. He was not. He was not weak. He was very strong. He died for all of our souls. He didn't have to. He lived a sinless life. Um, And things made him righteously indignant as so many things do with Trump. They make him, and I don't want anybody to think I'm comparing Trump to Jesus, but I do think uh, that, you know, Trump is, he gets righteously indignant and he tries to, you know, fix things the best way he can. So, I don't see Ron doing that. I do not see Ron getting to the city and overturning tables. Not at all. I don't, I see the reverse of that. I see him being very calm, very cool, very collected and very much manipulatable and very much, uh, gaslightable and very much, um, pushed around. And that is why nobody here is afraid of him. So, The last thing I want to talk about with this is how Trump put himself in the lion's den of CNN, the CNN town hall, which again is the episode before this. And y'all can go listen to that. uh, My thoughts on that. But um, Trump put himself in the lion's den of CNN. That's one of his biggest enemies, the New York Times and CNN. I mean, who are his bigger enemies than that? So Trump decided even after this E. Jean Carroll rape allegation lady stuff, which 100% wasn't real. And I talked about that on the last episode too um but even after all of that that's why cnn even invited him to do this town hall in the first place because they thought we're gonna get you gotcha we're gonna get you gotcha because you are very like susceptible to get you gotcha right now because we have cornered you with these fake rape allegations and now you're just you're just taken aback. You can't believe it. And so we're going to get you in this town hall and you're going to flounder and it's going to be awful. But that is not how it went. Trump kicked ass. He had his receipts from the January 6th stuff when he was telling everybody to be peaceful. And that young unknown lady kept saying, oh, well, you know, um, yeah, well, you did. You told it. You said insurrection. You wanted them to be violent. And he's like, actually, here are my tweets. And this is actually exactly what I said. And here are the timestamps. And you're lying. And she was like, you didn't know what to say. So she tried to gaslight him to try to gaslight Trump. Okay. Good luck. Um, 
But Trump did really, really well. And he actually, you know, so he went into the wind den of CNN. He took questions from the people. The progressive, leaning progressive audience was clapping for him the whole time. They were laughing at his jokes. He did a really spectacular job. Um, I, when I was getting onto the Ron DeSantis wagon, um, you know, and stepping off of the Trump train to do that, I, I remember thinking, I just think that Ron is younger and he has more of his brain right now because after the 2020 president election that was stolen, arguably, but I think very much stolen um, in the sense that ballot harvesting happened a lot on the left. It's not actually illegal in all of the states. It should be. It's moral. It's not fair, but it's not technically illegal. And so whenever I was talking on this Twitter space, when everybody was getting mad at me, everybody's always getting mad at me. Um, But how I was talking about, you know, Trump has said that he's thinking, you know, it's come out that he wants to potentially cheat back in the sense that, you know, it's not technically illegal everywhere, but just do this ballot harvesting thing that the left clearly did. Um, And with FOIA, y'all can get the videos yourselves and see how many places this was happening, how many mules, as they're called, um, you know, mules to mimic drug traffickers, but ballot traffickers, um, going to these ballot boxes and taking so many ballots from these ballot stashing houses uh, and, and stuffing them into the ballot box. And oftentimes at like three or four in the morning. I mean, y'all remember during the uh, 2020 presidential election, how it went from Trump was leading in all of the swing states, basically. And then the next morning, all of the news stations were saying, oh, overnight, Biden took a major lead. I wonder how that happened. I wonder, I wonder if it had anything to do with the ballot harvesters. I wonder if it had anything to do with mail-in voting. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't normal. It wasn't normal. Um, so Trump is willing to play by their non-existent rules, and I don't think Ron is. I think that that's why he has a lot of shady supporters, because I honestly think they're setting him up to lose, and somehow he's dumb enough to fall for that. Um, you know, I just don't know what else this could possibly be. He doesn't stand a chance. He's, he's polling at 13%. That was last time I checked, he's probably polling lower after that video of him talking about repealing the First Step Act. I just, I'm I'm watching um, and I'm learning and I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, but it's really hard to at a time like this. It was, uh, from a political standpoint, wrong um, and stupid. And from a personal standpoint, it's just such a betrayal of Trump's trust. And again, that is the person who got Ron where he was. And it's deeper than that. It's, it's a huge betrayal of America to me. I have such a low opinion of Ron DeSantis right now because, uh, you know, it's just, he's putting himself above the well-being of the nation. I mean, he has to know that we need Trump back in office and he is knowing that he doesn't really stand a chance against Trump inserting himself when none of us really asked him to. None of us really asked him to. Maybe there's a few people who thought, okay, maybe Ron can beat Trump, but no. Trump made the mistake of not firing Fauci. He made the mistake, and to this day is still making this mistake, of not uh, admitting that the vaccine had a lot of bad side effects. I think that Trump... He wishes that the vaccine didn't turn out the way that it did. He wishes that Operation Warp Speed were more successful. He doesn't want to take that L. I think in a lot of ways, Trump probably doesn't want to think, okay, so maybe, you know, I think it's probably hard for him to wrap his brain around the fact that a lot of people died. A lot of healthy people died after taking the vaccine. So, I think that Trump, um, you know, he he wasn't the maker of the vaccine. He didn't force people to get the vaccine. Even when he had COVID, he was taking the cheaper drugs that, you know, and, and telling people, hey, maybe ivermectin, maybe hydroxychloroquine, maybe these cheaper drugs. Um, you know, that were very effective, but Big Pharma didn't want to promote because, you know, they were cheap drugs. So, um, you know, Trump, Trump did make the mistake of not firing Fauci. He did make the mistake of still not apologizing for, you know, the vaccine, but it really wasn't all of Trump's doing with the vaccine. COVID was really at the end of the day, um, more of a, a China problem. You know, they let this thing out and then we all had to scramble around the planet trying to figure out how we were not going to all die. Um, I don't think it was ever that bad after the few first, uh, the first few, the few first, the first few variants, um, you know, it wasn't, 
you know, it wasn't too, too bad for most people. People that were more susceptible, yeah, it was harder for them. But for the majority of healthy, younger people who didn't have any of these comorbidity stuff going on, you know, everybody pretty much survived. I've told you guys before I had COVID, I had COVID two or three times. And honestly, this cold that I had a few weeks ago was way worse than than COVID was. So the brain fog was a little annoying. Um, and then not being able to catch my breath a little bit was annoying, but it wasn't, it, I mean, a common cold was worse for me than, you know, COVID was. So I don't think that COVID was ever this huge, massive, not to the extent that they were making it out to be. And Dr. Fauci came out later basically saying, yeah, you know, the whole social distancing and mass. And I was just, you know, I guess I went a little overboard with it. Um, so yeah, Trump, Trump has made mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Trump is not perfect. Um, but he ultimately at the end of the day, our country was just in a much, much better spot when Trump was president. And I think if you take a pandemic out of it, Trump would have had a perfect and near perfect presidency minus his little bit of an attitude that he got with the press and everything. But I think Trump thought that he was defending himself. He was defending his good decisions that he was making for the nation. And he didn't uh, want to deal with those people. I hope that if Trump does get back in office, that he doesn't spend as much time, you know, in these what I'm calling little bitty baby battles, because they are little bitty baby battles. When you're Donald Trump, you don't need to be fighting the press like that. And I think he cares, you know, about the truth. So he doesn't want lies getting out about him, obviously. But I just, I just really hope that he stays focused if he gets back up here, because he needs to stay focused. And he needs to, he really needs to focus on policy and getting all of the rats out of our government. That is at the end of the day, what it is. And also work on making ballot harvesting illegal everywhere. Um, it's unfortunate that we're going to have to cheat in order to beat the Democrats, but we've got to change the laws so that this shady stuff cannot keep happening. We have to have free and fair elections. And if we have to cheat to get there, so be it. But, you know, I know there are a lot of people who are getting on to me for saying that. Whatever. You guys know that it's true. Deep down, you know it's true. And Charlie Kirk has started to say as much and more, you know, people on the right are starting to say as much. I think that it's starting to become clear what we have to do. And I am perfectly willing to play much dirtier than my opponent if need be. And I hope that you guys are too. Um, I will end this episode by uh, saying what Donald Trump Jr. called the Ron DeSantis Twitter Spaces announcement for presidency, which was just simply disaster. And I thought it was really funny. A disaster. I think it was a, a disaster. And it was funny to watch how everybody would come up with their own forms of like de disaster or disappointment. Uh, one of my favorite ones was snooze fest. <laughs> so there were a lot of really funny ones. Um, you know, I think mine that I will contribute, this is the, really the end of the episode, is really just de-establishment. Ron DeSantis is de-establishment to me. He has said himself that, you know, the Bushes, he loves the Bushes, and they have been some of his most influential, you know, political uh, heroes. Um, okay, can you say globalism? No, I don't like it. I don't like it. He has done good for Florida, but he it is not his time to shine. Um, and I don't know if it ever will be if he, you know, doesn't get off of this establishment bandwagon. I know that he doesn't have the resources that Trump has. I know that he doesn't have the funding that Trump has from, you know, Trump has a lot of his funding from himself. Trump is very independent and he's going to beat Ron. It doesn't really even matter at the end of the day. Trump is going to beat Ron in the primaries. Ron can try whatever he wants. He's polling so low. He's going to lose. Um, you know, at the end of the day, Republicans are going to have to rally around Donald Trump. So, you know, this is kind of just a funny little joke to me to see Ron, you know, try to do this way, way ahead of the time that he should have. And I think he's going to regret it heavily when he realizes, oh, I went against Trump and I could have been VP probably, and I have ruined my political career. I'm going to term out of the governorship and then be screwed. So... You enjoy that, Ron. You enjoy that. So for anybody wondering, I am Team Trump. I am Team Defending Our Country from Communism, and I'm ready to go. Mm -hmm.